Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at Chapter 19 of Eclipse, titled Selfish. So where we left off, the vampires and the werewolves and Bella all got together in an open clearing and they were going to do training on how to combat the newborn vampires. And that's when she remembered that Victoria existed. And you know what? This chapter is going to be more of the same. It's actually really quite repetitive. So I'm not going to get into it too much because I'm just setting myself up for a failure here. Like, honestly, in this chapter, they just go to the clearing again for round two of the training. How? Thrilling. You'd think 19 chapters in, we'd be getting somewhere, but no, we're not. (laughs) You'd be wrong. So I know I've been confused about the timeline lately. And I'm only confused because the characters seem to be referencing things in the past that are different lengths of time than I would have expected. And there's conflicting information. So I thought I'd go and look at a timeline and oh my goodness gracious, I never realized how condensed these books are. Everything seems to happen all in like a month. Well, actually, let's go through it. So, January 17th, 2005, that's when Bella moves to Forks and everything starts. And the car crash, that's like a week later, you know, when Tyler almost wiped her out. So that's January 25th, the car accident. And then it's in March that James is there. The whole courtship in Twilight was was a month, a month and a couple of days. And here we are in March at the end of Twilight. So Twilight was really just two and a half months long, which is wild. And then September 13th that year, that's her birthday. So that's the start of New Moon. We haven't even had a full calendar year yet, guys. So then September 16th of 2005, that's when the Cullens leave Forks and we get Bella's depression where she does the calendar months. And on January 17th of 2006, that's when she gets the motorbikes. So that's, that's the whole year. Twilight chapter one, page one, and Bella getting the motorbikes, that's a year. So then it's in February 2006 where Jacob is a werewolf. She goes on that thrilling movie date with Mike. And then March 19th, she's in Italy. And that's the end of New Moon. So it's basically almost exactly a year between when they first meet James and when they go to Italy. So then we jump to June 2006, and that's where we are now. Bella's just graduated. And June 15th is the date where the Cullens align themselves with the werewolves. And so then shit picks up. So we finished Eclipse in June, and then we go to August, and that's when, spoiler alert, Bella and Edward get married in Breaking Dawn. And then a month later, the baby's born. A month later, this is how quick we're moving. Even pregnancies are quick. So stupid resume Cullen, she gets born on September 11th. And then December 31st, that's the resolution of the conflict with the Volturi in Breaking Dawn. So all up, it's two years. The whole plot is two years and we skipped over three months when Bella was depressed. That's a fast moving plot. That's all I'm saying. 
And also, if I sound husky, I'm pretty sure I don't have COVID. I just did a rat kit and it was negative, but all day long I've been like feeling sick and I am hungover. I did drink a lot last night, so I thought that might be part of it. It is what it is. So if I sound a bit husky, I'm sorry. So let's get into this chapter. So she says Edward carried her home. She fell asleep in his arms while he was carrying her home. And so then she's waking up and there's a dull light coming through her windows. And she says, oh, it's coming in from a strange angle. Almost as if it was the afternoon. I like how that's the first thing she does when she wakes up. She just plays detective looking at the sunlight slanting in. She's looking at it thinking, hmm, from that angle, it is typically an afternoon because the sun is coming in from the west. It's like, bitch, just roll over, check your alarm clock. Check your phone. Just read the time. Not everything has to be a mystery that you can solve. And so then she says, I yawned and stretched, my fingers searching for him and coming up empty. And she's like, Edward? And she says, my seeking fingers encountered something cool and smooth, his hand. Uh, Well, I hope it's his hand. (laughs) I hope it's his hand. Who knows what you just grabbed? And he's like, oh God, are you finally awake? Poor Edward must be so bored watching her sleep all night. Or all afternoon, as it were, judging by the sunlight slanting in from the west. He must be so bored. I was just on the phone to my friend Caitlin, who actually does have COVID. She was saying she'd be so uncomfortable with Edward just watching her sleep all night because like, what if you fart in your sleep? What if you fart in your sleep? These are the things you've got to worry about. Well, she's got to worry about sleep talking. So Bella has been sleep talking and Edward's like, oh, are you awake or are you sleep talking again, you dummy? And he says, you've been talking all day. And she says, all day. And then she whips her head around and she looks at the window and she's like, oh, you know what? The light is coming in from the West. So (sighs) we're getting to the bottom of this mystery. If only there was some sort of device that could tell you the time. And she's like, wow. And he's like, yeah, you had a big night. I thought I'd let you sleep in. And she's like, whoa, early bird gets the worm. I better get up and get some breakfast. I need to move around, she says. I need to get up and move around. As if she has been fully asleep for 15 hours, but she remembers she went to bed at like dawn, right? I still think you haven't even gotten a full eight, but the way she's carrying on, like she's just come out of a coma. She's got bed sores. (laughs) Bitch, it's been like six hours. So she throws a couple of pop tarts in the toaster. That's her breakfast. Doesn't seem very nutritious, but we'll let that slide. And then she catches a glimpse of herself in the toaster. And she's like, oh God, I'm a mess. I look like shit. And Edward just says, it was a long night. So he doesn't correct her. She says, "Ugh, I'm a mess. And he's like, "Mm, yeah, well, it it was a late night. I would have been like, excuse me, Edward. The correct response is, no, you look great. So then she starts eating a Pop-Tart and Edward's staring at her hand. And she's like, what's he staring at? And then she looks down and oh, another mystery solved. It's the bracelet that Jacob gave her for a graduation present and she's still wearing it. And so Edward's examining the little carved wolf and he's like, huh, that's interesting. He's like, huh, what, what a little development this is. She says, I tried to read the expression in his eyes. All I could see was thoughtfulness. He kept everything else hidden if there was anything else. Bitch, it's jealousy. He's jealous. Clearly he doesn't feel comfortable with his arch enemy being represented on your wrist through a little Pandora bracelet. I mean, you don't have to be a mind reader to figure out why he'd feel a little bit uncomfortable by that. And of course he's not gonna say it because he's 
trying to pretend like he's a more evolved person, but we really know he's still a gaslighting psycho, but he's trying to pretend like he's cool with it and not threatened, but he is. And it's because you keep playing on them as well, playing them against each other. And Edward, he starts being salty and he's like, huh, so Jacob Black can give you presents, huh? And she says, oh, I know he's referring to my last birthday and the fit I'd thrown over gifts. Yes, that is what he's referring to. Thank you for really explaining that for us. Thank you. And he's like, so you are, you're going to wear this bracelet a lot, huh? And she's like, yeah, I I guess. And he's like, huh? Because you don't want to hurt his feelings. Is that right? And she's like, yeah, I, I guess so. And then he says, well, don't you think it's fair then if I have a little representation? So he's butt hurt. He wants a little, what, a carved wooden vampire on the wrist? Is that what he wants? A little Pandora bracelet for himself? Who knows? And while he's saying this, he's running his fingers along the veins in her wrist, which I find a bit creepy considering he wants to drink her blood, right? If I was a human and I was dating a vampire and they were like obsessed with my veins, I'd be like, hold up, hold up a minute. I'd say maybe spend a little less time staring at my veins, please. And she does, she's like, what? Representation? What does he mean by that? And she says, what? And he says, a charm, something to keep me on your mind. And she's like, oh, you and your fragile masculinity. She says, I don't need anything to remind me of you. You're in every thought I have. And so they agree that he's going to give her some sort of hand-me-down and that she'll wear it. And it has to be a hand-me-down because she's not comfortable with him spending money on her, even though they're rich vampires that have profited from the stock market because Alice predicted stock market trends somehow. It's not like they earned the money, right? Edward's not working a part-time job flipping burgers. I think he can afford to give you whatever the hell you want. It's redistribution of wealth, Bella. Let him. And so she's like, yeah, all right, whatever makes you happy. And you think Edward could leave it at that, but he's like, so you've noticed the inequality, right? Because I certainly have. So he's getting pretty passive aggressive now. He's like, everyone else is able to give you things, but me. I would have loved to give you a graduation present, but I didn't. It's pretty unfair. How do you explain yourself? So even though I agree with everything he's saying, the fact that he's saying it is a little bit mm, like, come on, dude, just Stop trying to manipulate her to accepting presents. And she says, Edward, you're more important than everyone else. And you've given me you. That's already more than I deserve. And see my voice? I think my voice is breaking again. That's already more than I deserve. And anything else you give me just throws us more out of balance. See, Bella and I are the complete opposites because my love language is getting presents. And giving presents, sort of, maybe. But more importantly, the getting of the presents. And I've told this to my partner and I'm like, oh, you know, my love language is presents, right? Well, maybe I'm manipulating him because now he like will bring me random things when he comes over, you know, like a chocolate bar or even just like a catalog from the grocery store. Just he's always coming with full hands. He's not coming empty handed. And I think that's because I've planted the seed that I'm a present guy. So yeah, I'm a manipulator anyway, but that's my love language. And hers, I guess, is quality time because they do certainly spend a lot of time together. So then Alice calls Edward and he's like, what is it, Alice? That's what he says. What is it, Alice? No, hello. No. Oh, hey, Al. How's my, how's my little sis doing? Did you have any fun visions? What's the story? What's the tea? Just what is it? So blunt. If I were Alice, I would have hung up the phone is what I would have done. 
But anyway, she must have said something that did not really surprise him, but is a big deal. He says, yeah, I guessed as much. She was talking in her sleep and she's like, oh no, what have I said now? Oh no, I've spilled the beans in my sleep again. And so then he gets off the phone, doesn't say goodbye, doesn't say goodbye. He is the rudest little motherfucker. And he says, is there something you'd like to talk to me about? Like, what are you, the school principal? Calm down, Edward. He's basically asking because Bella's made some sort of secret plan to help out in the confrontation or something or other. She hasn't really told us yet. And she usually tells us everything, but she must have made some sort of decision, which is why Alice is calling. Even though I thought she made this decision last night in the clearing. So I don't know why Alice didn't say something then. I don't know what happened while they were eating Pop-Tarts that Alice got a vision and had to call through to Edward. Who knows? So then she tells us that she is trying to remember her dream. So I guess she made a decision in her dream. And that's what triggered a vision for Alice. Because she said she had a dream where she was chasing Jasper through the woods, trying to find the clearing to try and find Edward and the monsters who wanted to kill me. And so Edward's like, all right, out with it, young lady. What's going on? And she says, look, I like Jasper's idea. I want to help. I have to do something. And he's like, uh, no, it wouldn't help to have you in danger. And she said, well, this was Jasper's idea and he is the expert. It's like, okay, Jasper was just floating out ideas. I don't think we settled on this being the first choice of plan. And she's like, no, no, I'm doing it. She says, you can't keep me away. I'm not going to hide out in the forest while you all take risks for me. They're superhuman, Bella. You're not on the same playing field. They're not assuming the same sort of risk that you would be. How does she not get this through her head? She's so dumb. Oh, she's just so stubborn in her wrongness. Ugh. And Edward, he's getting all smug because he's like, (laughs) oh, Bella, Alice doesn't see you in the clearing. She sees you stumbling around lost in the forest. (laughs) You wouldn't be able to find us. You'll just make it more time consuming for me to find you afterward. And that, that I do predict as well, Alice. You don't need to be a fortune teller. You don't need to get visions to guess that Bella would get lost in the woods and make things worse for herself. I mean, how many times has she gotten lost in these woods throughout this book? And as I've said earlier, it's only been like, what, 10 months? <laughs> a year and a half? Who knows? I, I'm still unclear on the timeline. I just, okay, it's been a year. Let's just say that. And she's already gotten lost in the woods like six times. And she says, well, Edward, that's because Alice didn't factor in Seth Clearwater. If she had, of course she wouldn't have been able to see anything at all. But it sounds like Seth wants to be there as much as I do. It shouldn't be too hard to persuade him to show me the way. Hold on a tick. Hold on. You're trying to use logic with this Alice decision thing. But then she's telling me she wouldn't have been able to see anything if if Seth was there. Okay, correct. But she did see something. So Seth mustn't be there, right? But then she's saying, but Seth wants to be there as much as I do. So she's banking on, on Seth preempting Alice's visions through, through what sheer willpower, he will force his way. What's going on here, Bells? You use the logic, but it's not, it's not cutting through. And so Edward, he says, well, I'll just ask Sam to give Seth certain orders. And so Seth won't be able to ignore those orders. And she's like, well, Sam might actually want me in the clearing. It's probably the best for him as well. And he says, all right, then 
I'll get Jacob to give the orders. And she's like, Jacob can't give orders. And he says, well, Jacob is second in command. Did he never tell you that? And she's like, oh, he never did tell me that actually. That's new information. And so then Edward tells us that he got a fascinating look into the pack's mind last night. He said, it's better than a soap opera. I had no idea how complex the dynamic is with such a large pack. The pull of the individual against the plural psyche. Fascinating. And he says, Jacob, he's been keeping a lot of secrets. And she's just like not really listening. She's like, oh, how do I win my argument? And then Edward's like, well, did you notice that smaller gray wolf there last night? None of their stories prepared them for that. And she's like, what are you talking about? And he says, they always accepted without question that it was only the direct grandsons of the original wolf who had the power to transform. And she's like, okay, so one of them's not a direct descendant then. And he said, no, she's a direct descendant. And she blinks, her eyes widen. And she goes, she, she, how, how? She's blindsided. She's so shocked. Yeah, women can be wolves too, Bella. Grow up. It's 2006. And Edward goes, yeah, Leah Clearwater. And she goes, Leah's a werewolf? Well, yes. That's exactly what he just said. Leah? Her? What? For how long? Why didn't Jacob tell me? Why, why would he tell you? Is there a phone tree from La Push to Forks, Washington, just where he's got to direct all inquiries, run everything by Bella first? Oh, anytime anything happens in the pack, Jacob's got to tell Bella. Meanwhile, 19 chapters ago, they weren't talking to each other. And when they have hung out since, he's been asleep or she's been asleep. When would it have come up, Bells? Stupid Bella. And Edward, he's a bit more gracious. He's like, oh, well, he wasn't allowed to say anything. When Sam gives an order, it's pretty hard to ignore it. And Jacob was thinking of other things whenever he was around me. But last night, it all slipped through. And she says, I can't believe it. Leah Clearwater. Leah. Leah of all people. Yeah, Leah. And also Leah, she's the one that got dumped by Sam, correct? So that's interesting. That's fun. And she's like, wow, Leah, Leah of all people. I remember Leah on the cliff, a tear glistening on her cheek when old Quill had spoken of the burden and sacrifice the Quillute sons shared. And I'm like, okay, all right, vivid memory. She never forgets a thing. She can remember the tear, the single tear glistening down Leah's cheek. And she's like, oh, and Billy, always spending time with Sue because she was having trouble with her kids. And it was because they were werewolves. Stephanie Meyer's like, look at all these hints I gave you. Did you figure it out? Did you figure it out before the big reveal? She says, I hadn't given much thought to Leah Clearwater just to grieve for her loss when Harry had passed away. Grieve? Grieve? You went to Italy. Harry died and you were on the first flight out. I don't remember you grieving for Harry. (laughs) I think someone's rewriting history and it's you, babe. And so Bella's like putting two and two together now. She's like, oh, that's going to be awkward because they can all hear each other's thoughts. She can read Sam's thoughts, probably about Emily. They can read her thoughts about how pissed off she would be. And Edward's like, yeah, she's making life exceedingly unpleasant for the rest of them. I'm not sure that she deserves your sympathy. So Edward's a bit of a hard ass, but he says it's hard enough for them having to share thoughts. Most of them try and cooperate to make it easier, but she's being deliberately malicious and it's painful for everyone because she's thinking of things they don't want to think about. (laughs) That is some psychological warfare. And then Edward starts saying the imprinting compulsion is one of the strangest things I've ever witnessed in my life. And I've seen some strange things. 
The way Sam is tied to his Emily is impossible to describe. Or should I say, her Sam? Sam really had no choice. Uh, What do you mean, or should I say her Sam? That doesn't clarify your sentence at all. It reminds me of a Midsummer Night's Dream with all the chaos caused by the fairies' love spells like magic. It's very nearly as strong as the way I feel about you. Hold up. So, imprinting's meant to be this huge devotion type thing, and Edward is more in love, he reckons? More obsessed with Bella than the people who have imprinted are? I just don't get it. I don't get how anyone could be in love with Bella unless they were imprinted on her and had no choice. And he's saying he loves her more than the people who imprint. That's crazy. That's bullshit. And Edward says, yeah, she's bringing up things like Embry. And she's like, what's with Embry? She's loving this gossip. She's like, huh, tell me everything. And so then he says, Embry's mother moved down from a different reservation 17 years ago when she was pregnant. She's not Quileute. So everyone assumed that the father was from this different tribe, but then he joined the pack, meaning that he is a descendant of the wolf. So the prime candidates for his father are Quill Atera Senior, Joshua Uli, or Billy Black. So he's like one of their half siblings. And she's like, Edward was right. This was exactly like a soap opera. It's also kind of a bit offensive, I think. I remember a few weeks ago when we did that deep dive into the Quill Ute tribe, a lot of their points were that this representation of them in the book isn't great because it's a lot about like absent fathers and just negative stereotypes like that. So this isn't great. And so Edward says, oh, it's mesmerizing reading their minds, all thinking together and at the same time, there's so much to read. And she says he sounded faintly regretful like someone who'd had to put down a good book just before the climax. And she laughed. She's like, <laughs> poor Edward had to finish reading his good book before the climax. These are people's lives. Leah's obviously heartbroken because her fiance got with her cousin and now she's got to read the minds of her ex-fiance. And the others are worried about the paternity of one of them and they may be half siblings that they never knew. It's all very tense and she's laughing. Because she's like, oh, it's just like a soap opera. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Heartless bitch. And so she's like, well, that was fun. But back to me being at the clearing. She's all business. After laughing about the misfortunes of the tribe, she's all business. Like they did not consent for Edward to read their minds. Well, I, I guess they did, but they meant like to communicate. But they did not give consent for Edward to then go and spill the tea about all of their internal conflicts. To Bella of all people. I don't think it's very appropriate, Edward. You should not be sharing that information. It's not yours to share. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So then Bella says, oh, now I'm thinking. It might not be so much that I have to be in the clearing. I just have to be wherever Edward is. So she wants to just be with Edward. So she's trying to come up with a plan to get her and him elsewhere. What I thought the whole plan for her was to go into the clearing so that like Alice wouldn't die and the pack wouldn't die. But now she's like, oh, perfectly fine with letting them fight. She'll just be with Edward so he doesn't die. She only cares about Edward apparently. And then she's calling herself selfish. She says, cruel, selfish, selfish, selfish. Don't do it because she's about to say something. And she says, look, Edward, here's the thing. I've already gone crazy once. I know what my limits are and I can't stand it if you leave me again. And she knows that's a low blow because he feels guilty about abandoning her and she's throwing it in his face, even though he should still feel guilty about it, if you ask me. And he's like, what? She says, I hear his sudden intake of breath. Don't know why, because he doesn't need to breathe to live, but apparently he's gasping. And so then he's hugging her. She's like, oh my God, he's comforting me. The guilt went into spiral mode. And she says, but the survival instinct was stronger. There was no question that he was fundamental to my survival. Not really. I thought the plan of shoving you out in the forest somewhere with Seth as a radio, I I mean, I hated the plan, but it's not that bad of a plan. You can survive using that plan. I don't know what her motivation is right now. Oh, well, actually she tells us she's thinking the long game. She's thinking if Edward dies, then she's just going to kill herself because she says, I can't stand it. Not knowing whether or not you'll come back. How do I live through that? No matter how quickly it's over. Well, you just listen to a podcast, read a book. If you want to kill time during the fight, just read a fucking book. (sighs) How could I, how could I stand not knowing whether you were alive or dead? Seth would tell you. That's the point of having the radio, wolf connection. Well, how could I stand it? Fuck me dead. She's so OTT. She's always catastrophizing. It's so annoying. And so then he's like, it's fine, Bella. Everyone's going to be safe. Everyone will be fine. And she's like, oh, will they? And he's like, yeah. And she goes, okay, so I don't need to be in that clearing to help be bait. And he says, no. And Alice already told me that they're down to 19. So we'll be able to handle it easily. And she's like, oh yeah. So easily that someone could sit out, right? And he's like, yes. And she's like, gotcha. Gotcha. She says, ah, so you could sit out. Theoretically, you could sit out. And he's like, ah, she got me. She got me. And he says, all right. You got me there, Bells. I could theoretically sit out. So basically... She's saying, yeah, let's send the team out with one less fighter who can read minds and let Alice and 
Jasper and Jacob and Leah Clearwater, let them all assume the risk without having the mind reading vampire. Why would you go into a fight without the person on your team who can read everyone's minds? Like, what is she thinking? And she's trapped him. She's trapped him. And so now he's like, oh, fuck me dead. All right. So you want me to let them fight without my help? Is that what you're asking me? And she's like, hmm, yeah. (laughs) She said, yes, very quickly. In her narration, she's like, am I a monster? Am I a bad person for this? And I'm like, yes, yes, you are. But she's like, yep, I want you to not fight. She says, or let me be there. Either way, we need to be together. And he's like, oh, you got me. You got me. He says, well, hmm, hmm. And so then he calls Alice and he says, Alice, could you come babysit Bella for a bit? I need to speak to Jasper. We need to restructure all our plans because this bitch can't listen to a podcast or read a book in a forest sitting next to Seth. She can't just keep herself occupied for three hours. And it's probably not even gonna be that long to be quite honest. Vampires move quick, wolves move quick. It'll be over in like five fucking minutes. So then he says to Bella, I'm gonna go meet with Jasper. I need to discuss me sitting out. And she's like, oh, sorry. She's like, sorry about that. And she tells us. She's like, I was sorry. I hated to make him do this. Then don't. And he says, don't apologize. Never be afraid to tell me how you feel, Bella. Well, no, she should apologize because she's screwing up your chances. And she says, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for you to like have to choose me over your family, even though she pretty much did say that. And he's like, oh, of course you didn't say that. This is a compromise. This is how compromises work. And I'm like, oh, the fucking pair of you, you just keep manipulating each other into certain things. And so then they hug and she says, two voices struggled inside me. One that wanted to be good and brave and one that told the good one to keep her mouth shut. And so I instantly had a flashback to Anastasia Steele and Fifty Shades of Grey with her inner goddess talking to her subconscious. Anna was always telling herself to shut up and now Bella is too. And so then Edward says, who's the third wife? You were mumbling something about the third wife last night. What what was that all about? So I guess this isn't part of the soap opera that he read in the pack's minds last night because he has no clue who the third wife is. She just says, oh, it's a bonfire story. She doesn't go into how it's a whole extended metaphor for her selfishness slash selflessness and this sacrificial urge that she has. She doesn't get too into it. So then Alice appears and Alice is like, oh, Edward, you're going to miss all the fun. So I guess she's had a vision about it, even though the wolves are involved. So I don't think she should be having visions, but she is. So then Edward leaves and she says to Alice, oh, I'm sorry about all this. Do you think it will make it more dangerous for you? Yeah, no fucking shit. No fucking shit. And she says, you worry too much, Bella. You're going to go prematurely gray. And I do agree, she does worry too much, but it is a bad tactical decision. And she says, oh, it's gonna be annoying with Edward being so grumpy, but I wish you could control the pessimism, Bella. It's so unnecessary. I love that Alice is talking some truth. Call Bella out for being a negative Nancy. She needs to hear this. And also remember how Edward didn't say that she looked like shit, but he didn't say she didn't look like shit. Alice is also given the tough love and she says, um, go clean yourself up. Charlie will be home soon. And if you look this ragged, he's not going to want to let you out again. So she really must look like a fucking mess. And so then she says, wow, I'd really lost the whole day. It felt like such a waste. I was glad I wouldn't always have to squander my time with sleeping. Such a, what do you do? What do you do? 
She's saying she's going to look forward to being a vampire. So she's got 24 hours in the day because she doesn't sleep. But like, what hobbies do you have? What activities are you out there doing? Why would you need so much time on your hands, Bella? You don't do anything. You cook your dad dinner and that's about it. She's like, I've lost the whole day. You were up until like 6 a.m., Bella. So she gets presentable. Then Charlie comes home. She's putting his dinner on the table as he arrives. And so Charlie, he's stoked to see Alice. He's like, hey, Alice, how you doing, hun? And like, he is so affectionate with Alice. I thought that there was meant to be this human instinctiveness that made the vampires a little bit scary and repulsive to you, but apparently not. So then Alice tells Charlie that Edward's off planning a weekend with Emmett and Carlisle and that they're all going away except her. She says, we always go backpacking at the end of the school year as a celebration, but this year I decided to shop rather than hike and not one of them will stay behind with me. I'm abandoned. So now she's manipulating Charlie. Everyone's manipulating everyone. And also like, it's a pretty shit sob story. If you're trying to go for a sob story, she's like, I'm abandoned. They've all left. You decided to stay. You said, oh, I want to go shopping rather than hiking. Like, don't play the victim here. And he's like, oh, honey, that's so sad. Do you want to come stay with us? I hate to think of you all alone in that big house. And so Bella's like, oh, this, this Alice, she's really working him hard. And then Alice stomps on her foot and she's like, ow. And Alice is like, is this bitch for real? She's not picking up what I'm putting down. Is she for real? And so then Charlie's like, so Alice, do you want to come stay here? And then Alice stomps on Bella's foot again, being like, bitch, look alive. Get with the game plan. And so then Bella's like, oh yeah, um, well, um, how about I go and stay at Alice's house? Because she'd have to sleep on the floor here. And so then Charlie thinks it's his great big idea. And he says, well, maybe Bella should stay up at your house. So they're playing Charlie like a fiddle. Well, Alice is, Bella's not carrying her weight. So they make a plan to stay at Alice's house and that they'll go shopping in Olympia on Saturday, which is the day of the big fight. Great, that's all settled. So then she goes upstairs. Edward's already on her bed. He's back. And she says, what time are we meeting with the wolves? And he says, in an hour. God, it's fascinating stuff. A whole chapter of conversation. Just what I like. And she's like, oh, it's good that we're starting a little earlier. Jake and his friends, they need to get some sleep. Fucking hell, Bella. Stop worrying about their sleep. They shape shift. They've got other things to worry about. And so she says, did Alice tell you that she's kidnapping me again? And he's like, uh, 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 she's actually not. Alice will be off hunting with the rest of them. I'll be the one that's all alone in that house. And she says, oh, you're kidnapping me. And he nods and she's like, ah, she says, I thought about that briefly. No Charlie listening downstairs. No house full of wide awake vampires with their intrusively sensitive hearing. Just him and me alone. And I'm like, oh, she wants to bang him. That's what she's thinking. Bella's thinking, I'm gonna lose my V card. We've got the house to ourselves. It's going to be bang city. That's what she's hoping. So then they go to the clearing and she's confident in her plan. She's like, oh, this is great. Edward was apparently fine with the idea of missing the fight. He wouldn't leave his family if he didn't believe that they would be safe. So maybe Alice was right. I did worry too much. So she says, oh, it was brighter tonight. The moon was shining. So she has visibility. Remember last chapter, she was like, oh, it's so dark. I can't say a thing except... That wolf, he has eyes that convey resentment. That wolf over there, small and gray. Oh, and that wolf, that's a russet brown wolf. That's Jacob, I can tell by the wolfy grin. 
but oh, there's no visibility. I can't see a thing. So now there is visibility and she can see three wolves and it's Quill, Embry and Jacob. Cause Sam was like, we don't need the whole pack there. We can read minds. We only need really one person to go and tell the rest of us. But yep, sure. We've got three people there, three wolves, and they're going to get all the pointers. Edward says, we're experimenting with unequal groupings, teaching them how to deal with multiple attackers tonight. And and she's like, whoa, wait a minute. Multiple attackers, unequal groupings. She says, a fresh wave of panic shattered my brief sense of confidence. They were still outnumbered and I was making that worse. And she says, I stared at the field, trying to hide my reaction. Her reaction, what? How does she she not know that they're outnumbered and that taking Edward away would be a bad idea? How is this new information? She's so dumb. She's so dumb. She only thinks clearly when she's at the clearing, apparently, because she's always having revelations as soon as she enters the clearing and remembering shit that she should have known already. So now she's second guessing herself and she's like, wait a minute, there's more of them than there are of us. Uh, and if I make Edward stay with me, then they're one down. Uh, so she's like actively avoiding looking at the Cullens fighting, play fighting in the clearing. And so she makes eye contact with Jacob. Jacob smiles his same wolfy grin as before. His eyes scrunching the way they did when he was human. I doubt it's exactly the same, but okay, sure. And then she's musing about how she doesn't find the werewolves that frightening anymore. She talks about how she had the nightmares about them. So this is what I'm saying. It's a very repetitive chapter because we're just back at the clearing, talking about the wolves again. It's just not super thrilling. And so then she's looking at the wolves and she's like, well, that's definitely Embry. Uh, And that one's Quill. She says Embry was clearly the thinner gray wolf with the dark spots on his back. Like, obviously. Like anyone with eyes would be able to guess that Embry is the gray one with the spots. Like, <laughs> duh, da doy. And she's like, oh, they're not monsters. They're just friends. Wait a minute. They're friends. Friends who are in danger and who are still somewhat mortal and who could die. Oh no. <laughs> another realization for her. Even though she's been saying that for six chapters now, another realization. And she's like, oh, maybe Edward's being confident because he thinks his family won't die, but maybe the wolves will die. So she's been making eye contact with Jacob, smiling at each other. And then he trots on over to them. And so Edward's like, oh, hey, Jacob. And Jacob is a wolf. So he's not responding in the English tongue. So they're communicating through eye contact. Even, even though Edward could just translate, Jacob's staring at her and she's like, I'm fine. Thank you, Jacob. Thanks for asking. I am a bit worried though. Jacob may not have been asking that, but sure, just go on and answer his unspoken questions. Go for it. And Edward, he's like, ah, well, he actually wants to know why you're worried now. And she's like, what? And then Jacob growls and Edward's like, okay, well, he actually, actually said, that's really stupid. What is there to be worried about? And Edward's like, I edited what he was thinking because I thought it would be rude to say it out loud. No, she is stupid and she needs to hear it. So then Edward walks off. And so, yeah, we just have this conversation between Jacob and Bella without words. (laughs) God, it's painful. It is painful. So Jacob's communicating in a low whine, a coughing bark that she thinks is laughter. So then she says, I stared up at the bright silver clouds, not wanting to see the fight. My imagination had more than enough fuel. Okay, then why are you here? You didn't have to come. 
They said to you, Bella, please don't come to the clearing. Bella, don't come. And she's like, I insist. I need to be there. And now she's like, oh, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. I'll be too worried about them dying. Not worried enough to let Edward fight as well, but I'll be too worried to watch them fight. My imagination, oh, it's got enough fuel. I don't need to be seeing this. Then go home. So then Jacob sits next to her while he scoots himself over and he plops down next to her. And so then she just like starts absentmindedly stroking his fur. And then he's making this humming sound in his throat, like a purr. And she's full on patting him, which I think is inappropriate. And then she says, you know, I never had a dog. I always wanted one, but Renee's allergic. And I'm like, what? You don't say that to a werewolf. That's completely inappropriate. But Jacob laughs. Again, how a wolf is laughing, I'm not too sure, but he's apparently laughing. And she says, aren't you worried about Saturday at all? And then he turns his head to her and, and she can see him rolling his eyes, apparently. And she says, I wish I could feel that positive. Full on having a full conversation. And then she's just like leaning into his fur, resting her head against his neck. Uh, completely inappropriate. She says, oh, it's strange. Even though he was in this bizarre form, this felt more like the way Jake and I used to be. The easy, effortless friendship. Did you ever used to cuddle like this? As I recall, you were fixing up motorbikes in a garage and throwing slices of pizza. I don't remember canoodling and rubbing each other's fur and resting your head on his neck. I don't remember that. And she was like, oh, it's odd that I could find this friendship again, rekindle these feelings when I thought that his wolf was the thing that caused the loss of, oh, this is a stupid sentence. Odd that I should find that again here when I'd thought this wolf thing was the cause of its loss. Shut up, Bella. I, I, I'm done with you, babe. I'm sick of it. Maybe the only reason you're having such a fun time with him is because he can't talk and you like being the only one that can talk in a conversation. Maybe that's why. Or maybe it's just nice not to hear him saying how much he loves you and he's going to try and woo you over through forced kisses. Maybe that's actually quite refreshing. Anyway, she says the killing games continued in the clearing and I stared at the hazy moon and that's the end of the chapter. Thank God. So chapter 20 is called Compromise. Oh, I thought we just did a whole compromise chat. Edward taught us the definition of compromise. Oh, but we're going to have another fucking 20 pages about compromise. This is just really heating up. It's really thrilling stuff and I can't wait for next week. So I will see you then. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.